laugh at this next part. In a world of political correctness and cancel culture, two comedians have risen up to prove that with the right angle, anything can be funny. This is You Can't Laugh at That. Who writes these? Who huh? should have this person locked up and looked at? Live from Golden Ox Studios in Cleveland, Ohio, it's Steve Murs and David Horning on this week's episode. It was like such a weird thing that, and like I always joke about being a sugar baby. So for a while I was trying to talk about how like I need a sugar daddy because my dad is a sugar daddy and he's already a sugar baby. And it's just like the circle of life with sugar babies. Let's be honest, work sucks. There's a reason we don't look forward to Monday mornings and we look forward to Friday nights. But what if we could change that? That's why there's water cooler comedy. Did you know that incorporating humor into your work makes you more creative, more innovative, and more collaborative? Well, that's why we bring in professional comedians to break up the monotony of the work week with a fun comedy show. Or you can bring in a keynote speaker to share new ideas for how to incorporate humor into the everyday activities of the workplace. Or we have a program called Creative Kickoffs, where we start your day, your meeting, your Monday by bringing your team together with improv exercises and fun team building activities. It's water cooler comedy. You can find us on social media, on Twitter at Comedy Cooler, on Instagram at Water Cooler Comedy, and on our website at watercoolercomedy.org because work is the time and place to laugh. Welcome to You Can't Laugh at That, the podcast where we take topics that are taboo, overused, cliche, or absurd, and we find ways to laugh at them. Today's guest, we have Amber Maida, local Cleveland comedian, also from Kalamazoo, also from Detroit, also from Hawaii, also from Japan, also from Germany. <laughs> you didn't live in all those places. No, though. I didn't. And Israel. <laughs> and Israel. Recently discovered Israel. <laughs> Part of the promised land. <laughs> and you are the promised one, the chosen one here today. Uh, today we are going to talk about uh, divorced parents, having divorced parents. And um, we'll find ways to, to make that funny. I'm also here with our co-host. Hi. That's Steve Merz. No, I was just telling you what I am. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, uh, you know, I kind of, I, I forgot, I didn't realize it was about divorced parents. I thought this was just about talking about family oh. on stage, which I was excited for. Now I'm like, oh, can't relate. It'll be, well, neither <laughs> can I. My parents love each other, yeah. so. Uh, <laughs> my, parents, my parents tolerate each other. I, I think they love each other. I, I think you have to after a certain amount of time. I was like, well, I guess we're in this. Let's find a way to. To love each other, my oh, dad. I'm the only broken one on this podcast. Yeah, so we'll just be we'll just be hammering home on you. And just well, like, Amber, what's that like? <laughs> I have had eight grandparents, though. So do the math. Eight. Eight grandparents, <laughs> all divorced, remarried. Oh. At some point. So, so your so parents what? were like, "We're good." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Can we talk about divorced grandparents. It's been really tough for me because I <laughs> so many live, presents didn't live through any of that. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's true. I just like hate all these presents. All right, Amber. First, we're, we're just going to dive right into this. Uh, we want to talk about one of your jokes, as we were talking about before the 
before we start recording. It's it's my favorite joke that you do, and it's so funny to watch audiences respond to it because they laugh at different parts of the joke every time. Yeah. So we're gonna listen to it and then we're gonna talk about it and uh, go from there. So here we go. My dad has a sugar baby. <laughs> do you guys know what that is? It means my dad is sixty-one and his girlfriend is younger than me. Yeah. I found out she was a shop girl at a local bar back at home. So I tracked her down. <laughs> and when I found her, I was like, stop sucking my dad's dick for money! <laughs> That's my money! You know? <laughs> and I don't have to suck my dad's dick, I can just wait till he dies. <laughs> if you're not laughing at that, why do you want me to suck my dad's dick? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are weird. <laughs> I kind of like it. It's fine. For the record, I don't like sucking my dad's dick. That's not what I was referring to at the end. Right. No, no I, I get it. You like the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That yeah. they're weird. Yeah. Yeah. I do too. No, that's that's such a funny joke because, like I was saying, they laugh at different parts of the joke depending on what the show is, depending on where you put the emphasis. Uh, I don't know. How did that joke start? Like, what? where did it come from? So my dad was going through a midlife crisis, and he was spending a lot of time at the casinos in Detroit. Um, and I found out, I think my brother told me, he's like, dad has a sugar baby and I was like what so I like looked her up on Facebook and it turns out we're from the same school district like we would have been in high school at the same time but like competing high schools um and yeah she found I just Facebook stalked her that's how I found out she was a shot girl found out she was a young mom and uh the only time my dad has ever talked to me about it is he said she got me so high (laughs) And I fell asleep on a bed. I just laid down, and I was like, whoa, and I couldn't do anything. And I was like, wow, Dad, you're just living it up. <laughs> Being crazy. Um, and then my they're not together anymore. My brother told me that he was in the car with my dad, and Adele's hello came on, and that my dad started crying. <laughs> I, I think that's so funny. I'm sorry. That's hilarious. <laughs> There's depth to this relationship. So, yeah, apparently. Okay. Um, but yeah. No, I <laughs> I was just trying to think of a way to like talk about that because it was like a weird – I didn't really care either way because I just want my dad to be happy. Right. But it was like such a weird thing that – and like I always joke about being a sugar baby. So for a while I was trying to talk about how like – I need a sugar daddy because my dad is a sugar daddy and he's already has a sugar baby. And it's, it was just like the circle of life with sugar babies. Yeah. So was that all part of the joke before? Like you wanting a sugar daddy? Did it, did it start? I would like talk a about that joke? first. Yeah. yeah. I talked about how I have student loans and I need a sugar daddy. <laughs> uh, so feet pics available online. <laughs> Hit me up in the DMs. <laughs> we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so you were you were doing was it not getting the reaction that you wanted? It, like, what made you chunk it down to what it is now? Oh man, probably. Um, you guys know this. Like, once you have a good joke, it's all about cutting words. So I mean, yeah, that joke now it feels like it's only like four lines. Um, 
and I get to it in different ways depending on what I'm talking about before and where it, where it fits. Um, but yeah. I think, yeah, the, the last line, if you're not laughing at that, then why do you want me to suck my dad's dick, just came from frustration of people, like, pitying me. Yeah. It's like, no, it's, it's supposed to be funny or else I wouldn't say it on stage. Right. Yeah. Oh, I hate that, that like, pity, that, aww. Like when, it's like, no, yeah. I'm laughing. I'm past it. Why are you awing it? Like, yeah. It's not me anymore. I forgot who told me this. Just Oh, Ray Roberts told me this the other day. We were talking about a joke. I was trying to write a joke about my mom, and I don't like her. So he was like, if you want to talk about someone that you're estranged from on stage, you have to explain why you've forgiven them. Mm. And I was like, well, I haven't. So I guess I'm not going to talk about it yet. You you have to make it you have to make it okay for the audience to laugh at them. Yes. So like, you know, once you've proven that you've laughed at something, that almost gives the audience permission. What you do though, if you've never seen Amber perform, uh, she is just like super super likable on stage. Like she comes up as like she's a ball That's of nice. energy. No, you are. You are. You're Thanks. like like I always when I when I do shows, I always try to put you at the front. I mean, depending on who else is on it, just because. You know, you bring good energy to the stage. You know, you, you come up, how y'all doing? <laughs> like, <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> and uh, with with that joke, um, you, like, with your body language, you're smiling really big while you're telling that joke. Yeah. Uh, you kind of do that. Stop talking about that for money. <laughs> like, <it's> like, <laughs> like the disillusioned, like, yeah. hey, this yeah. is normal, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so even if not everybody's on board with that first punchline, they're on board with the second one because you're. It's like, oh, you're lighthearted. This is fine. Yeah, we can laugh at this, but you don't. You don't actually tell them that. And then you get to that last line. It's like, if you didn't laugh at this, and then you know, then you're the weirdo. Because think about what you're not laughing at. Right. Yeah. Right. You tie that joke joke up so nicely into a little bow. It's Thank nice. You. Yeah. I, I really enjoy that joke. Thanks. Um, no, it's, I'll it's, work harder so you like all my other ones. Yeah, <laughs> just as much. Hey man, I have to. I have to have a favorite joke from everybody. That's at fine. Some point. I send you stuff only about milk, so yeah. it's fine. Yeah, that's true. You, <laughs> you're just blowing up my DMs. Just like look at this milk thing that I found. <laughs> Anything milk related, I send it to David. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, I I made that happen yeah. for myself. He's it's, just a milky, milky boy. I, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> That's the nicest thing anyone said to me today. You guys ever see that video online of that girl like like milking a cow onto an Oreo and then she eats it? Oh God, no! <laughs> I saw it last night. Almost never mind. Almost sent it to me almost or jerked off to it. <laughs> yeah. And her parents were divorced. So oh, oh, is that part of the video or no, did she I was just trying? She just wants to relate to divorce I was, so bad. I was trying to make this tangent relevant. <laughs> <laughs> I think the milk was good enough, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the divorce part too. It's all about the nonverbals, you know. I think that's the most important thing when you, when you talk about a topic like this is like you have to make it okay for the audience to laugh, yeah. especially if it's something that you've been through because they, especially if they haven't been through it, you know, because it's like, oh, should I feel this way about it? You know, I, I love the point some comics make where if they're joking about something, they're like, do you know who loves this joke? People who have gone through this thing. You know who hates this joke? People who haven't. Yeah. It's a weird I, human reaction. I told an audience last night that my ex died in a car accident, and they didn't. They weren't. They like, weren't like. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that wasn't the joke, obviously. But <laughs> I had like I just felt like going there, and then it was weird. Yeah, they they weren't. 
And then I do that, oh, where do you go from there? And they didn't laugh at that like a normal crowd would. Right. They were, there's something switched off about them. It was very so weird. So that's what you were talking about I did when not they like laughed it. at certain things and la- didn't laugh at other things. Yeah, I, every time I addressed it, I was like, you guys are weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to like hide it. Like they kept laughing throughout the show, so I, I was able to do it, but it was weird. Yeah. yeah. You do that too where you call them out when they're being weird. Yeah, because I don't want to like not address it. Yeah. Even if it's not funny when I address it, I don't care. They don't, they don't stop laughing at things. It doesn't ruin the show, so I just do it. It's like you're here to laugh. Right. If you're not, let me draw attention to it real quick. Yeah. If you can, if you can master that, which I think you do a great job of, Steve, um, if you can master that and like bring them back into it by just being like, you came here to laugh. Yeah, why yeah. else? Like this is, you know, you know that these jokes work. It's um I don't know, it's a it's a weird song and dance. When you do it enough, you know you can blame the audience sometimes. Mm-hmm. Even if I don't mean that like in a person like I don't go you guys suck. It's not like it's like I just tell them like trust me, I do this all the time. It's you. It, yeah. It's definitely you guys. Yeah. Um, it's definitely different when like an open micer's like, "Oh, you don't like my raping my girlfriend." Joe? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like it's definitely you guys. It's like, no, what? No, what just, are you saying? Do you know what you're saying? Yeah. Just just find a way to connect with them better. And sometimes sometimes calling them out creates that connection. It's weird. Yeah. And sometimes it pushes them away. If, you know, you really just have to read the room. Too soon. So that joke, back to your joke. You told that in and Stevie were there when we went up to when we went up to Michigan and did that comedy rumble. Your dad was there. Yeah. yeah. You did. I don't remember. Do you, did you did you know he was going to be there, or did you? Suspect? I had invited him because okay. he's only seen me do comedy once before then, and I bombed yeah. just like so hard. Ah. Um, but then he came. I invited him out to that show, but he had had hip surgery two weeks prior, so he was like, "I'm not even walking around. Like, I'm definitely not going to make it." And I was like, "That's fine. That's fine." So I went to that show thinking he was not going to be there. And I was like, I'm definitely going to do this joke because okay. we had all prepared that day. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'm do- definitely doing the joke. And then I get there and he was sitting like right there as soon as we walked in. And I was like, oh, my- I'm not changing it. <laughs> like I, I, I've already prepared. I was too nervous to change it. So I was like, well, I'll call it out. And I think because that competition we did was judged and the judges liked even more that he was there. You drew attention to it on stage. Yeah, too. I did. And I called got, him out. Yeah, that even got a big laugh. <clears throat> yeah, because he didn't know that I knew about the sugar baby. Uh, you, you did say that too, didn't you? Yeah. That's, oh my God, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that joke in front of him. Yeah. And he didn't even know. <laughs> oh God. And he couldn't even like leave because his hip surgery, he would have just left out. <laughs> it's like just pain no matter what. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Physical, <laughs> emotional. <laughs> I th- I <laughs> he got in the car and played hello <laughs> on his way home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I hadn't gotten to the finals that night for that competition, then I think I would have been disowned. Yeah. <laughs> it would be like, nope, it's not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, okay. You can make fun of me as long as you're doing well. Yeah, if yeah. people laugh. Yeah. That's how I justify. I'll always tell my mom when I tell a joke about her before I do it in front of her. Yeah. Because, like, I don't want her to be surprised. Yeah. And I was like, Mom, it's okay. It's funny. <laughs> like, here, I have a recording. Like, people actually laughed. And she's like, okay, well, I guess you can tell it now. If there's a, a joke that's kind of edgy that's about somebody I know, I'll let them know about it first. Yeah. 
Um, I just feel like that's fair. Like, I don't want my girlfriend to be at a show, and I'm like, eh, she's a slut. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, she's not, but I don't want to, you know, have and that kind of, like, punchline. Do you always tell people – I know this is a little off, but do you always tell people that you're dating if you're going to do a joke about them, even if they're not there? What do you mean? Like, if you write a joke about someone that you're dating, do you tell them that I did this joke or that I wrote a joke? Or uh, If I do it in an open mic, I don't. But yeah. if it if it works, it's like okay, it's gonna be a thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna tell you. Yeah, yeah. I just don't do the joke it. until after we're not together anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's never happened any other way. Really? Yeah. yeah. Just put it in the roll. You only do breakup jokes. Well, no, it's just it's always after the fact. No, X jokes. Yeah, yeah. I told one in an open mic that it didn't go well. And then I just told her that I told it. And she was like, well, what is it? And I told her. And she was like, I don't like that at all. And I was oh, like, well, no. I won't tell that again because it didn't work. So perfect. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. But if it w- did work, then buckle mm-hmm. in because yeah. that's, that's what people are going to know. Yeah. I mean, whatever. I mean, yeah. if, if you want to tell people private things about me, whatever. I don't care. It's, yeah. it's who I am as a human. Like. I I've I've been on the dating apps. I deleted most of them now, but I just hate when they're all like, "Oh, are you gonna write a joke about me?" It's like Whoa. you're not funny enough for me to talk about. That's like, what I always say. I'm like, "There's nothing interesting yeah. there," and I don't mean that as a personal jab. Yeah. I just literally mean there's no. That's not where I mine material from because I think it's so mundane. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Everyone has a Tinder joke, and but yeah, I've kind of I've cycled my Tinder jokes out of my rotation. Yeah. I, I mean, if if the situation calls for it, I can always bring them back, but right. I don't want to. Same. Yeah. yeah. I think the only time I did is when we did a mic. I don't know if it was yours, but every single person was doing a Tinder joke. So I was just like, well, <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> We're all here. Yeah. Too soon. How far into stand-up did you write that joke? Oh, my God. I don't. I mean, was that one, was that, one that you had... I've been doing it for a while because this year will be three years, but, um, oh my gosh, probably towards the beginning, you know, probably within the first month, I don't think I had that, that final tag line on it, but probably within the first month because I was doing those competitions at the funny stop all the time. Mm -hmm. So that was just like forcing myself to be better to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think probably since the beginning. The only other joke I've been doing since the beginning, but I don't even do it anymore, is the BBC joke. I don't. Yeah, I don't think you would know it even. I don't. You started coming around after. Yeah. I was in a girl group, like, in college, and we'd all be like, Bad Bitches Club, hashtag BBC, on everything. This is, like, when we tweet that we were going out. Hmm. And uh, it wasn't until I worked in advertising, like my professional job. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to see my BBC girls this weekend. And they're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) You crossed the line. You talk a lot about your family. I talk a lot about my dad, for Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's he's an interesting one. I don't know. We're not like, he's all I have, but we're not that close. Um, Because I am, he adopted me. So I have, like, a biological father, but I don't know him, so I don't really care about him. Right. And then I was, like, mostly raised by my dad. So a lot of my material is him. Um, Yeah. So I'll owe everything to him if I get big off of it. Right. (laughs) At least I'll have to owe him. 
because it's all my materials about him. Right. I mean, you have to be able to laugh at like your childhood and your and your family and your upbringing. That's yeah. That's a good starting point for if you if you're thinking about getting into comedy. You know, I mean, you have these life experiences, and nothing's more natural than your family and yeah. and the the stupid shit that you do as a kid and the stupid shit that your parents do. And also, once you become an adult, too, you kind of realize that your parents are just older kids. They're still trying to figure it out, too. Yeah. Like, when did you figure that out? Ugh. I mean, were you young when you were just like, oh, yeah, no. My. I've been, like, trying to write, work through this, but, like, maybe when you lose your virginity, you stop aging emotionally or, like, you're kind of stuck there, which is not a bad place to be. I don't know. But my, yeah, I think that that's true to an extent. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get to a certain point where it's just like, oh, I can write jokes about them now. Yeah. They're just, like, all trying to figure it out. But my dad is, like, 14 and a half years older than my mom. So he's always just been more, like, career-focused and on that grind. But, yeah, I don't know. He doesn't have any, like, likes or anything. Is that weird? Because you like things. You like things. I'm a hobbyist, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I'm an enthusiast. (laughs) Of the things. I don't don't just like the things. I do the things. I envelop myself in them. (laughs) No, man, I I didn't realize that I would like stand-up so much when I started it. And just, I... Yeah. The moment I started... Getting better at it, I was like, oh, I can learn how to do it better. You know, I've kind of become a nerd. I like listening to other comedians. I love listening to podcasts. And that's part of the reason for doing this is because, you know, I know there's there's people out there that, that want to learn, but also, especially younger comics, you know, you, you come up and you try to tell edgy jokes and you try to tell jokes about certain topics and make light of them and, and it doesn't work. And it's like, well, it's the audience's fault, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Or it's just like, well, I guess I'm not funny at all. It's like, no, there's a way to do it. If you, at one point, you thought something was funny, it's just a matter of finding a way to connect that thought with the audience. Yeah. Reformat it right. in a way that translates. Right. Totally. I mean, you, yeah, because people will always like say, oh, like, this is such a really funny thing. You have to tell it on stage. But it's like when you tell, when something's really funny in the moment and then you try and retell it to someone and it's just not funny at all. Because it's not in context. Exactly. And that's how comedy is too. People are like, oh, you can use this, you can use this. It's like, no. I. It's too much explaining and you can't even get them there even with all that explaining. You just yeah. have to live. That's something, I don't know. You can't put it in a sketch or, you know, this just too, it's too real. Yeah. You know, you have to be able to. You have to be able to laugh at something. Yeah. I love when people are like, "Oh, you should put this in your skit." And it's like, "Well, I don't think it's funny, so I'm not going to." But thank you, I yeah. appreciate that. If you think I'll it's write funny, my own write things. something. Thank yeah. you. Right. <sighs> Those small towns—they're always like, "You could really talk about this." It's like, or I could not listen to you because <laughs> you've never done this. Right. It's like, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that you think I'm funny enough that you want me to take your idea and make it funny. <laughs> Appreciate that. Thanks, but I won't. Comedy has constantly been people thinking they know at least as much as I do about something after or before a show. They'll be like, you know what you need to do? No, shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Yeah. No, they just all think they know more about comedy than 
they than they do. And it's, it's frustrating because it's constantly reoccurring. And I keep getting more years in comedy, no more than they do each time. And I get very angry with them now. And they're all like, what's the matter? And it's like, well, you are like the tip of the iceberg. And it's... Yeah. I just don't care. Like, I, you're, they're strangers to me and they're already being condescending. I'm just going to bite back. I don't care anymore. Yeah. yeah I used to be nice about it. Niceties are thrown out the window for no, me. No, I don't. Point. It's too frustrating. <laughs> like, shut the fuck up. You don't realize how much is behind this curtain, and for you to take this little thing that you see Ugh, and think that you know so much so about it. Fucking ignorant. Right. There's so much behind the curtain. I mean, there's like I didn't realize there's there's a there's a mathematical quality to mat uh, to comedy. You cross the line. I mean, you said you just you had family at a, at a recent show. Yeah, my dad said nothing about that show. By the way, no, he never said anything about it. Never, he never, we said never a word. addressed it. Ah. We've never talked about it since then. Okay, it's I. He's just such a stoic person. He's very goofy with my brother, but I just I love him so much. But he's just such a one off of himself, you know. I got you. Now, do you guys when when your family's at the show? Do you? perform differently do you tell different jokes do you almost i mean here's my thing (laughs) my parents the only time they have a chance to see me is when i'm doing a show yeah so they will come to the show and it's like they've seen the same jokes over and over again and i'm like my mom's like are you gonna do anything new and i was like no (laughs) (laughs) no i'm not this isn't for just you this isn't for you do they know the difference of like Oh, you told this joke differently. Are they able to pick up on that? Only because I tell them afterwards. Okay. You know? Only, yeah. I mean, if if somebody has been to multiple shows of mine, sometimes they'll catch on, mm-hmm. which is cool, because they know that I'm always working on jokes. Yeah. I've had enough conversations with them or, like, friends uh, that they know that I'm always working on jokes. Like, I'll add a tag at the end, and they'll be like, oh, that's, that's a new part. I like that part. Yeah. I added... Um, you know, to the last name is Horning, but, you know, deep throat this microphone right here. Yeah, I love that part. And then, uh, and then and now I say, I want to see how far I can take it. My defense mechanism, not the microphone. Yeah. And they noticed that last time. That, that was a tactic. That's cool. Yeah. See, that's really fun to see the evolution of jokes and where things go. Like, whenever I hear a new, like, tag or, like, you take it in a new direction, that's, like, cool to hear. I love, I love the writing process. I love that. Um, my family has not seen me enough to make that, uh, to tell the difference between anything. My dad seen me twice. First time I bombed. Second time was 90 seconds for that competition that you were all at. And then he immediately left afterwards. <laughs> and we did not talk about it and still haven't. And then my aunt and uncle saw me for the first time on Wednesday. And they told me they were coming but I didn't know if they were there because it was literally packed out mm-hmm. and I didn't see them. So I was like, well, I'm just going to do my best. And uh, I didn't do any family joke. Oh, I didn't do like making fun of my family. I talked about my grandma and my dad, but I didn't like make fun of them. Because mm-hmm. um, I was like, well, tried that line. Didn't do the disappoint family joke because uh, they were there. Excuse you. Sorry. And... <laughs> I didn't do any depressing jokes because my aunt is a psychologist and I didn't want her to force me into therapy. <laughs> Immediately. Yeah. <laughs> if she's a psychologist, she should understand where comedy comes from. Mm-hmm. I just I would hope so. But you'd think maybe she's just too serious to like I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. 
Um, see, do you have any jokes about family, like your family or anything like that that you've ever? Yeah, yeah. Have you told them in front of family or the people, the the subject of the joke? Never had family watch me do comedy. Really? Ever? Yeah. My dad was in Chicago at the same time I was. And he was going to see a show, but then it got canceled. So that was the closest that ever happened. My immediate family's fine. They don't care. Um, I'm on a podcast right now that goes on the internet, so I don't want to go into it. <laughs> yeah. See, this is the problem. You ask me questions that I'm already avoiding. <laughs> it's okay. Because, <laughs> the fifth. It's fine. Because, like, yeah. I just I can't know. believe they haven't seen you and you've been doing it for so long. They've seen videos of me. Okay. So, But, um... But yeah, I don't know. They're they're weird about it too. But uh, I would have my parents come out and see a show. But the thing is, uh, like my grandma and my aunts, like, when are we gonna see? You? Like, I don't know. As soon as you can handle it, <laughs> which is never. So there's your answer. Uh, so you wouldn't you wouldn't switch up your material. My grandma's like, do you, you use filthy language? language? I'm like, no. But why do you think I would answer that honestly? <laughs> uh, Fuck no. I started I started cursing in front of my grandma, uh, in the last like three years. Mostly out of frustration when I was angry. I was never like casually like, oh, this fucking sucks. It was more like, <laughs> fuck! <laughs> and she'd be like, oh, man, it broke her heart. But oh, like, man. yeah. Was, <laughs> so. I know, I haven't told my grandma I'm uh, agnostic. Oh, yeah. Well, that'll be. We're agnostic. Final. That's spooky. Ooh. <laughs> if she comes to a show, you need to open with that. Like, that's yeah. how you need to reveal things to your family, just at a show. It's like, yeah. I'm gay, I'm hardcore indecisive. <laughs> <laughs> draw the line nowhere I'm yet. a Libra so it was implied yeah <laughs> this is true That's a, being so dedicated to astrology doesn't make you agnostic anymore <laughs> makes you an astrologist yes. great I love weather telling um, <laughs> <laughs> no that's weather splaining but okay yeah don't mansplain to me what a weather thing is it's called explaining <laughs> but okay <laughs> um Gosh, what did you just say? I don't know. I'm not even. Explaining is when you mansplained your ex. (laughs) (laughs) Why you broke up. Uh, Okay, so a better question, I think. Yeah. When you are in front of the same audience, do you, I mean, you tell the The same joke. Same audience as what? So, so they've seen your jokes before. Oh, yeah. You know, let's say you're an open mic and it's the same crowd that's there my every aim, week. My aim then would be not to tell the same jokes or at least mm-hmm. rotate and make sure they haven't heard it in a while. Because mm-hmm. I want to maintain the element of surprise. I don't like to uh, – I, f- I hate the, the diminishing return on a repeated joke. Yeah. And it's the worst feeling ever because I just hate bombing. That's why I'm where I'm at. I don't – it's all about not bombing, not doing well. Yeah. But it's nice when you can, like, tell the same joke, but if you try a new tag, even if it's not perfect, then at least you're doing something different with it and you're trying something new, which you do. I'll have some restoration of faith in in a joke, but I just, you know, it's got to be really good, though. And, yeah, I try to be, like, when I go to LVT, they've had a lot of rotating, a larger audience, but a lot of them were there the week before, Mm -hmm. the week before that, and I rotate. Did I answer your question? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought of what you said before. Okay. You said if you were, like, coming out to your family on stage. I came out to my family on Thanksgiving, and they're so liberal, no one said anything about it. Like, right. nothing. And I was like, oh, 
Like, I want, like, a little attention off of it. Yeah. Come on, everybody come give me a hug or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, last night I told the audience, I'm like, you guys are tight. And I don't mean in the urban way. And uh, <laughs> and they were like, oh. And I was like, yeah, I mean black. I mean black. Because I knew that would make them uncomfortable. It's like they can't even, like, just be honest about things. Like, what is urban not? Does it not mean black? Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Stop being so liberal that you can't even, like, express Enjoy. yourself. No like, people hate on. that. Just be real. Yeah. Just Black people this, appreciate yeah. that. They don't. You don't. You don't want to be like. My I don't know. my coworker got a new car, and the color is called Urban. Is it black? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a beautiful color. Yeah. Yeah. All it's the, the sh- color purple. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. Sam Morell has a really good uh, joke about. Uh, the it, it's off of his album Class Act from 2015. The track title is Sam Has Daddy Issues, and uh, I I've, I've listened to it multiple times, and it's just such a layered joke. So uh, let's let's dive into it. On the street, and I told my friend, he was like, "Is your biological father a good person?" And I said, "If he were, I probably would not refer to him as my biological father." <laughs> <laughs> Most people just say dad. I think. I look exactly like him. I show my friend a picture. He was like, wow, it's like you guys were separated at birth. We were. (laughs) First time I met my biological father, he took me out to lunch, and the place he took me turned out to be a family-style restaurant, which I think is kind of ironic. They should make broken family-style restaurants. You just walk in like, where's the waiter? (laughs) I think this dude abandoned us or something. I don't know. They forget to come out and sing happy birthday. They're like, dude, we totally spaced. Uh, we'll make it up to you next year, all right? And another guy comes out. He's like, I don't work here. I'm just kind of fucking the owner. But uh, I'll be your step waiter this evening. And uh, I saw a dad. In the- that was a perfect selection. Thank you. Yeah. It's it's such a good joke because it plays on all those like divorced parent tropes yep. in such an original way. Right. The restaurant analogy is so good. <laughs> a broken family restaurant. Yeah. And and I love how people aren't really sure whether they're on board with it. Uh, where's the waiter? Like he's only there every other weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he has visitation. Yeah, he has visitation. So you're just Not gonna a have shift. to wait. <laughs> They just call their shifts visitations. (laughs) (laughs) The menu is just a bunch of stuff, deconstructed plates. Yeah. (laughs) Make it yourself. Put it together. Put it together. Yeah, you have no one to help you. Um, Which is perfect because servers are always out going for cigarettes, and they may just not come back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That does happen. (laughs) That does happen. Man, (laughs) we need to call Sam and give him these tags. (laughs) Uh, So That's a great... Example of uh, good writing where you can do that exercise and then you can get a whole bit out of it. So right, it's taking two totally unrelated things, and whether whether or not, um, and, and that's the beauty of comedy is you're connecting two unrelated ideas in a lot of cases. So it's like it's a great way to stretch out a topic as you do the mashup mm-hmm. thing where you take the yeah like you're saying yeah and you I, can do anything with I it. I call it the mashup, the mashup, <laughs> the monster mash. <laughs> It's Saturday Night Live. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
What I love is that the audience is kind of tentatively laughing about the where's the waiter line. And then and then he hits them with, with the, the next, like, um, God, he, he, like, brings them in with, with the next joke. Yeah. Uh, it, it's such... God, it's he such understands a, laughs per minute, yeah. for sure. Right, you can't just be having a huge laugh with every line. You have to build to the big laugh and then taper it off with the tags. But it's not just a just a blank explanation where it's just like there's no funny parts. Right. Right. Every, every line, line has purpose. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's either the first step to getting to the laugh on the next line or it's a little laugh that'll get you to the bigger laugh on the Word next economy line. and then keep them... And once you establish that rhythm, they're listening so hard because they're like, every joke is coming and they're ready for it. Mm-hmm. Boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. He establishes the pattern and knows when to break it. And that's mm-hmm. what that's what Drives. elicits that big laugh. Mm-hmm. His new special is great, too. It's on YouTube. It's free. He, he self-released it and it's already got over 300,000 views. I saw a lot of... Yeah, it was at eighty two thousand like the day it came out. Yeah, I saw. Dang. It. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but I saw. I it's on my list. It's it's great if it's it's an expert like take on. I mean, he's a great writer. Mm-hmm. If if you want to improve your writing, I always listen to comedians who are good at writing, and kind of see what they do with it. Don't you don't have to emulate them mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, you I don't think it's important to start copy. there though. Yeah, to emulate because then you can like feel what it's like to be in that skin and then figure out how to get to that level on your own in your own skin but that's what I try to tell like new comics is it's great to go to open mics and get that experience you have to do reps but I spend a lot of time at hilarities and you you go to you go sometimes but like just seeing the where you want to be like seeing those comedians Every single time they're in town, I saw Sam Morell and met him, and he's really nice. Yeah, he's. Great. I loved. Yeah. I saw him, Joe Mackey. Yep. And like, I can't think of anybody else I saw this year, and that goes to show you. Dina I'm a big Hashem fan of open for Sam. I saw her too. Mm-hmm. She's very funny. Yeah. Um, she showed up wearing like straight up sweatpants, no makeup, that's hair in a bun. Yeah. I, it's totally who she is, but it's just like so funny because it's like I work so hard on like putting makeup and doing my hair for shows. But, but that's who you are. Yeah, you know? no, for sure. It's just a different brand. And my depression in, manifests in a different way <laughs> where I, like, try <laughs> too hard. She's just like, I'm fucking over it. Yep. Feel. Yeah. Yep. Now, who did you, when, when you first started, would you say you emulated a certain comedian or a combination of comedians? I, I've started off doing comedy, and I was really, really dirty. And I was like, I think... I hate that people say that women can't be dirty because whatever. Because, like, you guys could talk about dick jokes all day long, but if I talk about my vagina or a period, then it's like, ugh. And I was, like, trying to, like, fight that. And then I realized I wasn't really equipped enough to fight that fight because <laughs> I, I, mean, I was just, like, say slutty jokes, and then I'd get weird attention afterwards at Mike's, and I was like, I fucking hate this so much because it wasn't coming across like the point that I was trying to make wasn't clear I would talk about like I hate when guys come up to me and say I have big boobs it's like I have a mirror and I just I don't want to and then guys would come up to me afterwards and be like you do have big boobs and I'm like you weren't listening to the whole point of that joke but it's like could have been better you know so that was on me so I was just like scratch that then I saw Beth Stelling and I was like oh my god a female and like 
sometimes she talks about sex, but it's like funny and she's not sexualizing herself because there's just like a look about her. She's just more like chill. And I was like, I want to write like her. And so I just like watched everything about Beth Stelling and then tried to like be more like her instead, which I think she's a better writer anyway. So I, I would rather have a role model like that. Right. You you have to, you know, especially starting, you know, you need to have somebody to kind of look up to. Yeah. I would try too hard to be like, I would almost start lecturing. And I realized that there are some jokes, there are some things that I want to say that I'm not at the skill level where I'm ready to tell that joke yet. Yeah. You know, eventually, sure. But right now, probably not. I mean, yeah. I, you know, George Carlin does such a good job of, of making points in poignant points that are funny, but not like laugh out loud funny. It's like, oh, he's right. You know, I, I love that. He's just philosophy. Also, right. He's a philosopher. I mean, that's what Carlin is, essentially. Uh, I mean, if you compare his early stuff to his later stuff, it's like, holy shit, world of difference. I write that, but I can't perform it because then it just is preachy. Right. You can't come across as preachy. Yeah. And one day maybe I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. But I really like Taylor Tomlinson right now, too. Yeah. She's, I just watched another clip of her the other day and I was like, wow, maybe I do pull in way more Taylor Tomlinson than I even thought. Yeah, I feel like I, I pull in from a lot of different comics. Like there are some jokes where I where I feel a little like Joe Mackey come out of me. Uh, there are some jokes where I feel a little Carlin come out of me. There are some jokes where I feel a little like Mulaney come out of me. But, you know, I'm still trying to, there's like a happy medium somewhere where it's like, oh, no, this is you. Mm-hmm. A little bit. How y'all doing? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's such a good way to get people invested in, in you know. In yeah. um, no, you got to open strong like that. But no, this this whole bit, uh, the Sam Morell, I mean, it's it's such a layered bit. The uh, the bad dad tropes, everybody knows those. The, oh, I missed your birthday. That's such a good line because it brings the people in who aren't even, you know, who don't even have divorced parents. Like, Maybe you have a parent who forgot a birthday or an ex who forgot a birthday. or You know, you can all relate to that on some level. Mom didn't pick me up from school. <clears throat> right, right. Yeah. My dad once got me a birthday card, and it was a totally a happy Halloween card, and he crossed out Halloween and wrote birthday <laughs> above it. <laughs> That's amazing. And I was like, all right, Dad, you're doing the most. Yeah. And by most, I mean the least. It's like, what? Like, Shit, hurry up. Get a card. I forgot. That's funny. Yeah. But everybody can relate, you know, and that that's the cool thing about tropes is everybody knows the tropes, it, you know. And when I say tropes, it's almost like cliches, mm-hmm. uh, if you don't know what a trope is, I guess. Um, the, yeah, the, the happy birthday. And then the restaurant thing, the hypothetical situation. The beauty of uh, having a hypothetical situation in a joke is you can go anywhere with it. Mm-hmm. And the audience, as long as, as long as there's a logical path, the audience will go with you. Yeah. You know, it's not a true story. When you come up, they should have a, a, a broken family restaurant. It's like, oh, this isn't a real thing. And then he goes into what that would be like if it were a real thing to him. And so the beauty of that is he can go anywhere with that. Yeah. It's such a good it's such a good device to use. And that's a good way to bring up controversial things that you can't say is make it a hypothetical situation. And then... I, I heard someone do that the other day, and then they changed it to something completely goofy at the end, which I loved. Because then it's like, why is everyone taking this so seriously? He was talking about how, like, if Abraham Lincoln were working with Trump now, and he'd be like, oh, uh, 
don't go to theaters, you know, whatever. And it's like, the audience is like, oh. And it's like, in this hypothetical situation that I completely made up, that never happened because Abraham Lincoln's alive in this joke. So boo on you for... Because, yes. like, obviously that's what he's talking about. But then he can, like, change it up at the end. Right. It disarms the audience, too, you know. If, if you go in that hypothetical direction, you can take you can take it far. I mean, you can make it absurd. You can give it silliness. And that lessens the gravitas of the situation. I think we all do kind of absurd. Like, we like being goofy with one-offs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Which I like. I Sometimes it's too unrelatable, though. And you have to figure out when it's like... You reel it back in a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Make the unrelatable relatable. Right. Right. And that's that's the beauty of going to open mics is you can figure out where you lose them. And it's like, okay, maybe I'll take it a step back and see if I can just end on that laugh. Yeah. Or do something like along the same level. I saw Trixie Mattel last night. Do you guys even know who that is? She's a drag queen. Yes. Yeah. I'm obsessed with her and I was so excited to spend my Valentine's Day with Trixie Mattel. <laughs> and she talked about how she had a situation where her billboard caught on fire in Times Square. And she's like, I was having such a rough day, but I couldn't even talk about it with anyone because it's like other people don't even have billboards <laughs> that catch on fire. Just like an unrelatable thing. I just love her. But yeah, that's a very unrelatable thing. It's a funny idea. Ellen's whole last special was about being relatable. And she opens up and she's talking about all these completely unrelatable things. And that's where you relate eventually. Like, she brings it back really, really well. But that's the beauty of doing this for so long. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I did not like that special. She's very funny. You know what's crazy is I love Ellen. And I think she's very, very witty naturally. But the special was just so LCD, lowest common denominator. It was just very just basal, like just... I feel that way a lot Easy of, a lot comedy. of big comics, though. Yeah, that, well, that's what it is. I mean, you see how big that crowd is. That's exactly the kind of stuff she needed to do. So I get that. But also, it just wasn't comics comedy. Yeah. It was yeah. just not good. It's yeah. very easy comedy. Anybody could have wrote that special. That's not writing. I'm sorry. It's just not. There were a but couple of jokes great. in there. But yeah. I love Ellen. Yeah. Uh, it's just sad that that was what her special was, to me, in my opinion. In well, my also, th- think about how long it's been since she put out a special since she did stand like actually did stand up right you know yeah you're gonna be rusty so you're gonna go back to those jokes too yeah I well i mean like she's on point joke. she's very good performer and she's very funny uh but it was just weird to see her do that yeah <laughs> if, be, so. if, if i stopped writing jokes for shit, even a month and then i get back into it i'm not gonna be coming up with the best stuff yeah it could be different stuff though yeah I thought that way about Anthony Jeselnik's latest special, that he, it's just, like, all the same. Like, anyone that does dark humor can do that whole special. It's good, and he's the best at it, but he's just that sliver. And same with Nikki Glaser, her tour right now, Bang It Out tour. It's like, everything's about blowjobs. We get it. You're a slut. (laughs) You like anal. Congrats. I I can't stand any of that comedy right now. I'm I hate myself. Like there's all these things I just don't like. I'm getting sick of it. It's like someone who likes coke and they're not getting good enough coke anymore and they can't find good coke. I would never be able to tell the difference between good and bad coke. 
that's the thing. I don't even do coke, but that's that is a very good. I don't have that doesn't happen with anything else, but that is like the most, you know. Yeah, you're looking for you're looking for a high and you're not getting it. No, you know who's the best comic right now to me? Judah Friedlander. Yeah. What? You want to hear a joke real quick from him? I know it's not necessarily related. It's very quick, but this dude's fucking hilarious. Yeah. You have it ready to go. We live in an oligarchy, but with uh, humidity, it feels like a dictatorship. <laughs> that guy's funnier than everybody alive right now. <laughs> Seriously, the guy's way better than your favorite comic. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, that's fair. His whole bit, I mean, he does a lot of crowd work. But he has, like, canned responses for it. So it feels like it's, he's coming up with it at the moment. Because he, he's like, if I was president, you know, I would do all these things. Shout an issue at me, and I'll tell you what I do. And he does that for, like, a half hour. Yeah. You know? Raj does that with uh, white cloth flavors. Yeah. But I like having those in my back pocket because I'm not, I don't want to do improv. Yeah. Like, sometimes it works out, but you, you, we all have those, you, those canned responses. Sure. Oh, yeah. Um, speaking of sucking dick, <laughs> this is a bit by Canadian comedian Alex Wood off of his album, When You Gonna Be a Dentist. And it's just like a quick one-off about his parents getting divorced. And he takes a different angle on it. And so we're going to... It's like a one-minute bit. So, here you go. My parents got uh, divorced when I was growing up, too. What's up, guys? Uh... <laughs> They're over there. Uh, it wasn't that bad. I think that gets blown out of proportion too much. It's like, oh, children from divorce, that really scars them forever. I don't think it's that bad. But one thing from my parents' divorce, I could definitely feel it inside of me still to this very day, is every time my friend is going through relationship troubles with his girlfriend or whatever, my advice is always, always, you two can make it, stay together, you know? That's gotta be from the divorce. It's a psychological thing inside. I just can't watch another breakup. Like, it's ridiculous. I make myself look stupid. It does not matter what the problem is. My buddy could be like, oh man, I'm done with this girl forever. She sucked my brother's dick. And I'll be like, she gets along with your family. Come on, man. <laughs> That's not good advice. <laughs> a, a couple things with that joke. Um, it's all about how his parents' divorce impacts him now, and he kind of makes it silly, which is good. And and he's just beating the whole setup. He's beating down on himself. Like I feel like you know it's a product of the divorce, and I feel so stupid, and I make myself look stupid. And then that punchline at the end was the payoff for that whole minute, because I mean that was like a minute long setup for that one punchline. You know, wouldn't do well in a comedy rumble. <laughs> Wouldn't do well on a comedy <laughs> rumble. It wouldn't. Ninety seconds. Get to the point. I mean, that's that's not an opener joke yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, I mean, if, you, if for an opener joke, you better be making people laugh within thirty seconds for your first joke, or the payoff at the end of a long setup better be huge. Right. Huge. Um, I don't know. That bit. I mean, that whole bit. First of all, his parents are in the audience. He makes note of that. Oh, did he say that? At the yeah. Oh, yeah. He says they're over there. Oh, God. And that disarms the audience, first and foremost, because he's like, oh, they're like, oh, if he's telling this joke and they're already and they're here right now, then it must be fine. So it opens them up. Or to, it's way more awkward. Right. Which is funnier to me. Right. And the joke isn't about his parents' divorce either. It's about himself and how he's, like, responded to it. And it, 
he takes it to an absurd level. It was like, oh, you know, my, my girlfriend sucked my, my, friend, my brother's dick. It's like, it's okay. She gets along with your family. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a whole swerve. Like, he's telling two stories at once. He's talking about, you know, you guys can make it. You guys can make it. And then he has this, like, this reveal at the end that I like. I mean, yeah, it's almost like a magic act. Yeah, the final thing. I I wrote this one time. Uh, can you repeat what you said? I'm a child of divorce, so I'm used to tuning out the yelling. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's that a good, good one. I like that. Yeah. You should use that. I she put does. it on Facebook. Yeah. 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 Oh, I have seen that. Yeah. I was going to say, I've, I've heard it or seen it. It's... I didn't steal it. No. I stole it from myself. <laughs> <laughs> I steal all my jokes yeah. from myself. Um, so, th- I mean, that's that's a good, just a little one-liner. Um, it's an A story, B story. Because, I mean, that's really what any story is in comedy, is you're telling two stories at once. I mean, you're, you know, you're you're telling this story about, stop talking my dad's dick for money, that's my money. <laughs> like, that's the, that's the A story. And it's like, why are you not laughing at this? This is funny. Like, what, do you want me to suck my dad's dick? Yeah. Like, so there's that underlying component to the bit which is fun I think the way that I wrote that joke is I just told it to someone one time like not as a joke but I was just like I'm gonna find that girl (laughs) and like we went there to the bar where she's a shot girl and uh, couldn't find her though Uh, but again you play that hypothetical yeah you know and and you can really take that anywhere and you made it believable because I mean that's something that you would do. You didn't like. Yeah, you didn't I would never. I would never extreme. choke out a shot girl. Right. I don't want her tray to drop. <laughs> right, you're a good person. Yeah, yeah. I know um, that that's a lot of money, and I'm not paying for it. Nope, because that's definitely on you. Yeah, that's no, for sure. You. And then uh, the last is an LA comedian. Um, he has some like, TV writing credits. This is a YouTube video where he's performing at the Laugh Factory in LA. It is uh, his name's John DeWalt, and the bit is called Gary. I used to always get in trouble as a kid. I'd always get in trouble with my mom. She'd always catch me. Whenever my mom would catch me, I'd always fake cry to try to get out of trouble. But that would never work because my mom would always be like, hey, you keep it up and I'll give you something to cry about. Like that was her big mom threat. I wanted to call her bluff, you guys. I was curious. I was like, what kind of punishment can my mom give me that's literally going to make me cry? Let's see my mom make me cry. So 9 o'clock was my bedtime. I stayed up until 9.30 playing Super Mario Brothers on Nintendo. Let's see if she gives me something to cry about. And she did. My parents got a divorce. (laughs) So now I'm a comedian. Uh, (laughs) And they do the thing that all parents do where they're like, you know what? We love you so much. Our divorce has nothing to do with you. They said that, but I knew. Hey, 9 o'clock's bedtime. Okay, you guys? (laughs) Lesson learned. That's on me. That's my fault, okay? 9 o'clock in bed. Put the Mario Brothers away. You're not going to see your dad that much anymore. All right, you guys? That's how bedtime works. <laughs> He's laughing. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> guys, <laughs> guys, don't feel sorry for me. It's the Wednesday late show here. Don't, a couple of you got sad on that one. It's okay. Relax. My mom got remarried, okay? She got me a stepdad named Gary. <laughs> which, of course, is the name of every single stepdad of all time, right? Every single, every stepdad is a white, conservative, middle-aged man named Gary. It's for sure. <laughs> When Gary's turned 37, they just give them families. Like, that's just how that works. <laughs> Gary's love divorce moms, you guys. Gary's love it. Gary's are on YouPorn typing in divorce moms. Like, that's their thing. Gary's love it. 
But think about it, everybody. It works out. It's kind of cool because Gary's are safe, solid, reliable guys. Like a Gary's never gonna go to the club and cheat on you. A Gary's never drinking too much and hurting you. Like a Gary's a solid family saver. If your family's falling apart at the seams, you get yourself a Gary. He's gonna save that family, you guys, okay? Are there any Gary's in here now? No? They're out there saving families, you guys, okay? All right, round of applause for all the Garys in the world. Doing the Lord's work. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, guys. I love my Gary. You're laughing, you know, you have a friend with a stepdad named Gary, right? 100%, everybody does, everybody does. I love my Gary, he's hard to talk to, don't have much in common with him. <laughs> See? <laughs> I like to connect with one person and then just really drive it home. Um, but no, I thought about it. The reason why every single stepdad is named Gary is because no young, hot woman is excited to marry a Gary at her first wedding, right? Like that second or third wedding shit, okay? When you're young, you're gonna take risks. You're gonna try out a Blake or a Seth or a Pablo, whatever you're into, I don't know. But then reality strikes, okay? Blake is mean to you, Seth cheats on you, and Pablo likes guys, okay, everybody? That's a divorce, that's a divorce. All right. Uh... So my dad is technically my stepdad, and his name is Gary. So that's perfect. It's I didn't so even know perfect. that. I didn't even know that when I picked that bit. Uh, he does. Uh, he does. He takes a totally different angle on this too. He takes it from the kids' point of view because when you're like the whole, and he also plays in tropes too that you know kids are always like, "It's my fault. My parents got divorced." And he he takes this silly situation where he's like, "I'm going to see if I can stay up past my bedtime." And uh, when you're a kid, like, it's all about you. So when your parents get divorced, it's like, it's because I stayed up past my bedtime. Like, hmm. so it's that silly perspective, you know, sometimes it, it's the helpful. Extremes. To, right. Sometimes it's helpful to look at a joke or a premise from the perspective of like a little kid. And it totally changes the joke. And, it, and it, whether you roll with that or not, it at least gives you a different point of view on, on the premise. Um, he goes from that and then he tells the audience, oh, it's okay, it's okay, Gary saved our family. And then he kind of, he doesn't take it to an absurd level, but he makes it relatable because we all know Gary. We all know a stepdad that stepped in and saved somebody's family. And uh, Gary is such a good name, too. It's got that hard Just G. Reliable. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not too And I would off. never marry a Gary. Right. Right. Well, also, that would be weird to marry someone with the same name as your Yeah, dad. but I've fucked a Matt, and that's my brother's name. Ah. So. Did you call him, like, Matthew? <laughs> or do you... <laughs> Called him by his last name. Okay, all right. <laughs> Good game. <laughs> Good game. <laughs> um, that's funny. Now, actually, my girlfriend's dad and her stepdad's names are Dave. So I am firmly in the David. Yeah. Probably for the best. Yeah, yeah. If she's getting into it and just screaming Dave, you right. should be concerned. All right. All right. <laughs> Are you having PTSD? I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Um, no, that that joke's that joke. I mean, he takes the Gary idea, and then he just you can tell he just keeps asking himself, "Well, if that's true about Gary, then what?" You know, he doesn't go to the club. He doesn't cheat. He doesn't like. He's not here tonight. He's out saving the world. Like he he gets on you porn and he looks up divorced moms. You know, like, that's, he just takes that, you know, what kind of guy likes divorced moms and what do they do? And that's another kind of hypothetical situation that you can use your creative liberty on. Like, you don't have to be totally honest. You can stretch it up to the point where the audience is like, all right, we're out. 
Only uh, one person gets it at that point. Right. I don't know. How do you guys feel about those last two bits? Too true. Yeah. Honestly, he just sounds more like a prophet than a comedian. Yeah. Yeah, because my mom had me at 19 with her boyfriend. Okay. So she was 20 when she met my dad, who was 34. Okay. And he saved our family. There and then go. he tried to do that again with the shot girl, yeah. who was a young mom. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey. yeah, Gary's really do run the world. Yeah, you can't bet a 1,000 every time, Gary. But no. you know what? Even the greats, one out of three is good. Yeah. <laughs> he saved the family. I mean, it's great to take it from a kid's perspective. Yeah. You know, because when you're a kid, you're naive and everything is about you. And then so when something like that happens, it's like, oh, shit. Is that me? Did I do that? Would you be a stepdad, Steve? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> makes sense. Your name's not Gary. I'm Steve. Yeah. If you, I'm a, da- I'm a deadbeat dad name. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So if you were to write a, a stepdad joke where you're the stepdad in, in a situation, like where would you come from on that? It's a stevdad. I spell. <laughs> I don't spell it with a ph. I spell it with a v. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I asked. God damn it! But um, yeah, no, I don't. I don't know. Like a Steve as, as a that's stepdad. A, that's implying that I would even want to get married in the first place. And yeah. So on top of that, to be a stepdad, no, I'm not taking on anybody else's bullshit. Yeah. From a total, total hypothetical. I mean, I'm not going to have kids because I just don't want... I like kids and I'm good with kids, but that's the problem. Like, I don't... Like, I don't want to deal with the stress of having a kid. No. And because I know how much that takes and I don't want to... I'm still working on my career, so that's, like, already out of the question, I feel like. I don't want to be a 40-year-old dad, and if I can't be a 40-year-old dad, I don't think I'll be a dad, so I don't think I'm going to be a dad. Maybe. I see people botch fatherhood so hard yeah. that that's why I don't think I can handle the stress of it. And he's from his parents are still together yeah. too, yeah. with that perspective. Right. I don't. Uh, I like kids that much. That's the thing. I like kids. It's like dogs, though. I don't want to own one, but I'm really good with with them. You know, it's like right. I just. I don't know. I'm just trying to keep my cat alive. <laughs> right. One thing at a time. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be so a great. I would okay. be a good dad. Yeah. I know I would, but the thing is that's the issue is like can i really provide for a kid uh i don't know um so. well this is as far as like a, a joke premise goes like if you were to to step in just like be a stepdad in a joke for example would it be like i'm botching this is I that sh- the- i've thought about making things up just for the sake of writing yeah yeah think yeah. about the think about the things you could tell an audience you could tell them anything all you have to say is, if this were true, then, and then you. Well, not got even that. No, canvas. just no, just say, don't say if. Just just pretend you're somebody else. You don't have to be yourself. Yeah. I think too many people want to just be themselves, and they're really limiting their creativity. I just want to be a, a stepmom so I have more material. Yeah. <laughs> I always say I was raised by a single mom, but that's just my fancy way of saying I'm not Mormon. Yeah. <laughs> you know? There it is. They should be called more moms. <laughs> there it is. There. Um, I've been talking about that too, about how I would probably be like an abandoned or a mom that would abandon because the apple doesn't fall <laughs> far from the tree. Oh my god! <laughs> you would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like as soon as you cut that umbilical cord, I'm gone. <laughs> Nothing god. holding me down. That's a that's a fun angle. 
No, but it, it's Apple similar. Fire. It's similar to his with the um, bed going to bedtime because I was a picky eater growing up, um, so I almost and like I know what a pill that is to deal with. So I almost don't blame my mom for leaving. Um, but I <laughs> because oh you were God. a picky eater. That's funny. yeah. But, sorry, we just like rewrote the. Ray Roberts was like, that's the one where he was like, you have to forgive them. And I'm like, yeah. If you, if you make it about yourself, you don't necessarily have to forgive them. So if you, you just right. be like, this is my, like, it's because I was a picky eater. It's like, oh, I didn't want my vegetables. Like, Yeah, and then he was, oh, I, it makes sense, though, because I must have had a picky mom. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, but not like I would have eaten apples anyway. Yeah. I like it. that. Yeah. Was that, was that one that you've. That's one that we're working on, but it's okay. too sad to tell. <laughs> People are, like don't want to laugh at that. But I mean, I, th- I think you can't. Like, if you make it about your picky eating, yeah, and just hammer that point home, or like make it about yourself, then I I could probably. Uh, it would be fun to do more puns or like take idioms that include food mm-hmm. and incorporate those. Right. I just loved doing idioms because I'm so bad at them. Because my grandparents are, like, immigrant German, so I I don't pick up on them as well as the average bear. Yeah, I love a a nice, I love a nice idiom. I love, I love puns and idioms, but, like, I always, (laughs) I'll always do one, and then if the audience groans and laughs, I'll, like, draw attention to that. Just be like, I know I hate it, too, but I had to do it. Yeah. It was there. Sorry. Is it average bear? Is that an idiom? Yeah. Yeah, right? Um, yeah, like the straw that broke the camel's back. That's. Mm. I heard it yeah. through the, the strawberry vine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> straw that broke the camel. I've been using the straw that, that, that killed the turtle. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's an infinite number of angles to take. Whether, whether you create a hypothetical situation, whether you make fun of yourself, and your naivety as a child, like make it your fault. Uh, I mean, there's, I mean, you, you do a great job too. You kind of play into a couple of these things. Uh, you know, your dad being a, a sugar daddy, like you go into the trope where, you know, she's a shot girl at the bar. Like that's funny in itself. And the fact mm-hmm. that it's true makes it even better. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing funnier than the truth. If you're just, if you're looking for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then trying to t- take the truth and talk about it in a way that's still funny, formatting mm-hmm. it. Right. Working with it and finding a way to connect with the people that you're ultimately, you're ultimately your customers, the people you're trying to make laugh, your audience. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many different ways to laugh at, at this. Yeah, uh, there's like, ha, ha, ha. And then there's like, ho, ho, ho. And there's, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's, oh, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> And that's yeah. what we've learned today. <laughs> um, the absurd, the hypothetical... And the taking the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And it is okay. I mean, you know, if your family your family is gonna be at the show. I, I tend to tell to go through the uh the belief that if I wouldn't say it in front of them, I'm not gonna say it not in front of them. Like I'm not gonna say it on stage. Well, I definitely wouldn't have been ready to say it in front of him when I first started telling it. Right. When it's but, ready. But then yeah. I knew it was funny enough. I was like, well, he can't be that mad. Right. Maybe not the first time. but This when, is going to pay for your retirement home, yeah. Dad. You better enjoy it. 
And then you're going to be the sugar daughter. Well, it's my money. <laughs> Facts. Um, all right. Just kidding. We have to wait for my grandma to die. <laughs> that is a whole other can of worms. I love how it's waiting. You're Idiom. waiting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting. <laughs> She's like, is grandma going to be there for Christmas? I mean, is she going to be there? Oh, no. <laughs> this one was the last. Yeah. This past one. But, uh, cool. Amber, thank you for coming <laughs> on the show. Is, is there anything else you want to you add about it, about the topic? I love you, Dad. <laughs> He's not going to listen yeah, to this. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Is. <laughs> I love you, Dads. I love you, Daddies. Yeah. Um, there's a difference, for sure. Yeah. I do have enough Daddy issues that I can call a man Daddy in bed. Yeah. So, um, I'm single, and uh, <laughs> thank you. If this <laughs> is you. my time. Yeah. <laughs> And where can we find you on social media so they can creep into your DMs? <laughs> oh, no, that's I that's my worst nightmare. Um, yeah. But you can follow me, uh, Amber Made a Joke, on Twitter and Instagram. Don't add me on Facebook because I won't add you back. Thank cool. you. Yeah. Don't actually follow Amber. No, not no. to my car, not to anything. Yeah. But, you know, like an occasional photo if you <laughs> actually like it. No, just like the photo. I want the likes. Yeah. I'll, I'll do anything for the likes. <laughs> All right, that yeah. sounds good. I don't post timely. And so will we. So like our podcast, too. Yeah. Um, and comment on it. We want to hear from you. What's a way that if you're a comedian, you've told a joke about divorce, your parents' divorce, step-parents, whatever, and uh, made it funny. We want to hear it from you. Because there are an infinite number of ways to laugh at anything, and that's what we're here to do. We're here to prove that you can laugh at that. If you'd like to weigh in on today's topic, follow us on Twitter at you can't laugh Pod. Or like us on Facebook if you can't laugh at that and tell us how you did laugh at today's topic or how you didn't. This is all about the conversation, is what I'm saying. All right. Bye.